Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be trust and love. Let's begin in John chapter 2. In John chapter 2, beginning in the 22nd verse, it says, When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. In verse 24, the key word is commit. The word commit is the Greek word pishtu, which according to Strong's concordance means to believe, in trust, to have faith in, to have trust in. We see the importance of trust here. Even though people had seen miracles and people were now believing in him, he didn't trust them and he didn't entrust himself to them. Verse 24 in the New International Version says, But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. There's a difference between trusting and entrusting. The word for know is the Greek word genosko, which means to come to know, to recognize, to perceive. It also means to know, especially through personal experience and first-hand acquaintance to know intimately. This is an important insight into the way that God knows us. The last part of verse 24 is all men. The word men is in italics, which means it was added in by the translators to make it easier to understand. If you take out the word men, you're left with all. All in the Greek is the word pas, which means all, every, the whole, every kind of. Strauss Concordance goes on further to say, It means all in the sense of each and every part that applies. The emphasis of the total picture is on one piece at a time. The focus is on the parts making up the whole, viewing the whole in terms of the individual. These three components of verse 24, when put together, give us a deeper insight into God's character and who he is as our personal God. This verse gives us a revelation of the reality of his personal nature. His knowledge of us is firsthand and through personal experience. He wants to know us in the same way that we know Him. When we become born again, we know God through personal experience. And God is showing us here that in a similar way, He wants to get to know us through a personal, firsthand experience with us. The same way we should know God intimately for ourselves, God desires to know us intimately. 
What binds us together in intimacy is our love for each other, our love for God and God's love for us, even though God's love is infinitely greater than ours could ever be. John 15 and 14 through 15 says, Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. A servant is under subjection to a master, and because of this they cannot freely communicate with each other, because they are in two different positions. Friends, to the contrary, are in the same position as each other. It is this bond of love that binds friends together, that allows them to communicate freely with each other on an intimate level. Personal experience and first-hand knowledge require communication to be present. Our being friends of God makes this communication possible. Once we're born again and have a personal relationship with Him, we cannot just stop after a one-time encounter with God. We have to communicate with Him. This is how we maintain our relationship and grow deeper in the Lord. God desires to communicate with us. We also get a further revelation of his personal nature in the way that he knows man. He doesn't say that he knows mankind as a group in totality. He knows each man for who he is as a person on an individual level. The same way he doesn't judge mankind corporately as a group, but rather judges each man individually making every man pay for his own sins. He doesn't know mankind by only the things that unite us all together, but rather he knows us individually with all of our uniqueness and peculiarities. The same can be said of his love and all of his other attributes. The two key elements in a personal relationship of any kind, whether natural or spiritual, are trust and love. This is no different when it comes to having a personal relationship with God. If we are to truly grow in God and know Him intimately, we must both trust and love Him. Having a personal experience and a first-hand knowledge lays the foundation upon which we can build trust and love, because that knowledge becomes the root and the reference point that our trust and love are based on. People many times today confuse these two terms by viewing them as the same thing, but they're actually very different. People today only love people that they trust, and they only trust people that they love. And in doing so, they fail to recognize the distinction between trust and love. We need to find out what the difference is between them. So let's first take a look at trust. Trust is defined as a noun, meaning confidence, a reliance or resting of the mind on the integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, or other sound principle of another person. Our basis for trust is our experience and our knowledge. If we don't have trust, we don't have a relationship. Trust is built up over time because it's rooted in experience. The more experience and knowledge we have of someone, the more trust we can have in them, and the more firm our trust can be. In verse 24 of John chapter 2, in the NIV it says, He entrusted himself to no man. Trust and entrust are very similar but they also have some very major and important differences. Intrust is defined as a transitive verb, combining in and trust. It means to deliver in trust, to confide to the care of, to commit to another with confidence in his fidelity. An example of this is when we entrust our friends with secrets. 
or entrust secrets to them. In verse 23, the people at Jerusalem, who he's referring to in verse 24, they weren't his followers. He didn't have a personal relationship with them. And because they were not born again, still unredeemed, and still beholden to their fallen sinful nature, he couldn't trust them, and he couldn't entrust them with his word or with his Holy Spirit. Trust could not be established because relationship was not established. They heard him, they saw his miracles, and they even believed him. But they didn't allow this personal experience and firsthand knowledge to become intimate so that they could form a relationship with him. They had knowledge with no action and experience with no fruit. There was no connection or communication between them, which led to Jesus not being able to trust them or entrust them with anything. They never became friends of God because they failed to have a relationship with him. And because of this, they remained servants. Real, genuine trust can't exist in its deepest form between master and servant. It only exists between friend and friend. When we, as friends of God, trust in him, we can trust completely and perfectly in him because he is perfectly righteous, perfectly just, and perfectly trustworthy. Our trusting in God, if done rightly, is the deepest and highest form of trust that a man is capable of. Let's go to Psalms chapter 20. Psalm 20, which is to the chief musician, a psalm of David, says, The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary, and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings, and accept thy burnt sacrifice. Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart, and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven, with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, let the king hear us when we call. This is an important psalm for our study. In the first five verses, we see David's prayer, the communication, the experience of communicating with God personally. This is the first part of the foundation. Then verse 6 has this important phrase, Now know I. This is the next part of the sequence. David now had a first-hand knowledge of God because he first had a personal experience and communication with him. This knowledge was further strengthening the foundation that was being laid. Then in verse 7, it reads, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Now we find that David trusted God. He was building on the foundation laid in the verses before. Trust had to come after because that is naturally how trust is formed. David says later in the verse, we will remember. He is remembering his personal experience and knowledge of God, which causes his trust and also strengthens it. Then in verse 8, we see the fruit of trust and further proof that our God is trustworthy when it says, they are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. This psalm follows the same pattern that we've been studying here today. The next element is love. Love is defined as a noun, meaning 
an affection of the mind, excited by beauty and worth of any kind, or by the qualities of an object which communicate pleasure, sensual or intellectual. Noah Webster, speaking of the love of God, said, The love of God is the first duty of man, and this springs from just views of his attributes or excellencies of his character, which afford the highest delight to the sanctified heart. Esteem and reverence constitute ingredients in this affection, and a fear of offending him is its inseparable effect. Love is also a verb, which is love in action. We can see that the same reasons we trust in God are the same reasons that we love him. The foundation is the same for both, trust and love, but their effects are different. God loves people because he designed them and he hand-formed them. He loves us because we are his workmanship. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Lord loves unconditionally. Yet in the chapter before, we see that he entrusted himself to no man. His trust and his love had the same root, but they were different in practice and different in effect. Just because God loves people doesn't mean that he trusts them. And just because God loves the world doesn't mean that he trusts the world. The fallen, unredeemed state that the world is currently under would make trusting it foolish. But love, contrary to trust, is unconditional, which makes it necessary for the Creator to have love for His creation. The major difference between trust and love is that while love is unconditional, trust is conditional. Trust is earned, while love is freely given, but both are absolutely necessary. In the Greek, there are four different words for love, whereas in English, there's only one, which is used as an all-encompassing term for all types of love. The four Greek words are eros, philos, storge, and agape. Today, we're only going to focus on philos and agape. Philos is the friendship or family love, and agape is the unconditional, sacrificial love of God, used only in reference to God. When we love in a relationship, either with others or with God, it's important which type of love we are using. There is a big difference between philos love and agape love. We are commanded in Scripture to love God and our fellow men with agape love. We must ask ourselves what type of love are we loving with. Our answer can make all the difference. Let's go to John chapter 21. John chapter 21 beginning in the 15th verse. It says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved, because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. This passage has an important meaning when it comes to love. Just reading it in English doesn't convey the true meaning 
because all we see is the word love repeated six times and the same question and answer repeated three times. The true meaning is found in the Greek words that are used for love here. The first time Jesus says, Do you agape me? And Peter said, I feel you. The second time Jesus said again, Do you agape me? And Peter said, I feel you. Then the last time Jesus said, Do you feel me? And Peter said, I feel you. Peter was saying that he loved Christ as a friend and even as family, but he wouldn't say that he loved Christ sacrificially and unconditionally. The fact that he didn't agape love was foreshadowed earlier when he deserted Jesus at his arrest and when he subsequently denied Jesus three times. Peter said all three times, thou knowest. We see again experience, knowledge, and love. We also find trust, because each time Peter answered, Jesus entrusts him with the care of his sheep. He was loving Christ as a friend, but not as his God. God, on the other hand, had never loved Peter with anything less than agape love, but he had to come down and meet Peter at his level. Peter later on loved with agape when he was martyred and gave his life for Christ. This is why love is so important. We are commanded to love others and to love God with agape love, and we must act on this command if we are to have a true relationship. When we love God with agape love, the same way that he loved us, it's the deepest and highest form of love that we are capable of as man. When we love God this way, God can trust us because he knows we are fully surrendered and he has all of us. And he can entrust us with his word and with his Holy Spirit because he knows that we will care for and appreciate the gifts that he has given us. Love is crucial in our relationship with God because God is love. Matthew Henry, commentating on John chapter 2, verses 24 through 25 said, The reason he did not commit himself to them was because he knew them. He knew the wickedness of some and the weakness of others. He knew all men. Not only their names and faces, as it's possible for us to know many, but their nature, dispositions, affections, designs, as we do not know any man, scarcely ourselves. He knows them that are truly his, knows their integrity, and knows their infirmity too. He needed not that any should testify a man. His knowledge was not by information from others, but by his own infallible intuition. He knew what was in man. We know what is done by men. Christ knows what is in them. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, beginning in the 21st verse, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The key phrase in verse 23 is, I never knew you. The word knew here is the same Greek word for knew as we saw used in John 2.24. This is the Greek word genosko, which as we saw earlier means to come to know, recognize, perceive, to know through personal experience and first-hand acquaintance, to intimately know. The message here is important 
These people had no personal experience with God and no first-hand knowledge of Him. And because of this, they had no relationship with Him and no intimacy with Him, and they put no trust in Him and didn't love Him. God loved them unconditionally, but He didn't trust them or entrust Himself to them. And this is why He wasn't able to entrust His kingdom to them. The difference between these people and God's people is relationship and trust. James 2.23 says, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Abraham wasn't one of those people that we found in Matthew. He was one of the people of God. Abraham had a relationship with God. He knew God, and God knew him. He is called the friend of God. The word friend is the Greek word philos, meaning a friend, someone dearly loved and prized in a personal, intimate way a trusted confidant, held dear, and a close bond of personal affection. Strong's Concordance goes on to say, the root, which is phil, conveys experiential, personal affection, indicating that philos expresses experience-based love. We see Abraham exemplify all that we studied today. He had the experience and the knowledge. He had the relationship, and he trusted and he loved God with experience-based love. And in turn, God had a relationship with him. God loved him. God trusted him. And God was able to entrust himself to him. It was relationship and trust that made the difference in Abraham's life. And the same can be true for us today. We've all personally experienced God. We all have firsthand knowledge of him. And we all have a personal relationship with him if we are born again. That's why God placed you here right now listening to this program today. But we must ask ourselves two questions. Do we feel us God or do we agape God? And can God trust us and entrust himself to us? Entrusting one to another is the true mark of friendship. God will forever agape love us, but we need to make the choice today to agape love God and to trust him. And when we do, he will trust us and entrust himself to us. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the trust and the love and the bond of intimacy that can exist between us that your Son made available to us through his death and resurrection. Lord, we ask that you put the seed of love and trust within our lives so that we can grow and have a full relationship with you. Lord, we thank you that you have always and always will agape love us, God, and we ask that you put us into the right frame of mind and doing the right things that are pleasing to you so that you can trust us and entrust yourself to us and entrust your word and your Holy Spirit and your kingdom to us. Lord, we thank you that you have provided the path for us to go down, that you have set us apart for your special purpose and that you can entrust us as your friend and as a trusted confidant, Lord God. We thank you for the mutual friendship that is available to exist between us. And Lord, we give you all the honor and the glory, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to personally experience God and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you've prayed this, from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. 
Welcome to God's Family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you would like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.